This is the podcast of Christian Life Center, an Assemblies of God church in Springfield, Massachusetts. For more information, visit our website at clc413.com. chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, a verse that many of you are very familiar with. In verse 1 it says, now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And then verse 2 says, for the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you through Christ Jesus from the power of sin that leads to death. Every single one of us have to deal with the issues in our lives that needed to be transformed. Because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, there are these things in our lives that the enemy would love to point at and say, because you've done that, it doesn't matter how many years ago, if you've done that, the enemy says to us, then you are less useful or even useless for the future. So how do we deal with that? Well, it's not enough for us just to think it through. But there has to be something that is greater that gives us victory. Verse 2 provides the key. And the key is is that the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed us through Christ Jesus. You see, there are times there we as followers of Jesus can be, in essence, set free. But we aren't living that freedom out because we are not allowing the Spirit of God to continually guide and direct our lives. It's very important that you and I remember that we do not gain victory of our own selves, but it is through the power of the Spirit of the living God. As the Scriptures tell us, that it's not by might nor by power, but it's by His Spirit. And sometimes that might and that power that we rely on can be our own willpower. We try really hard. We work at something. We can even organize it. We can write it down. We can set ourselves certain goals and hope that we'll be able to achieve them. But if you're honest with yourself, uh, we set goals that we sometimes cannot achieve by willpower alone. And so what we need is the life-giving spirit of Jesus Christ. The scripture tells us in verse 3 that the law of Moses could not save us because of our sinful nature. And so God put into effect a different plan To save us, he sent his own son in a human body like ours, except that ours are sinful. God destroyed sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the requirement of the law would be fully accomplished for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. The point that I want to drive home this morning for you is that you cannot live this Christian life on your own. You are not capable of overcoming the temptations around you without the power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is the one who gives discernment that when we find ourselves in a situation where we are weak and the temptation is upon us, the Bible tells us that God will always provide a way of escape. In essence, it's like a huge flashing exit sign and God says, get out and get out now. It is our choice whether we choose to leave that situation or whether we stick around. 
When we stick around, God has already done his part. We put ourselves in a compromising situation. And our sinful nature, as strong as it is, will win if we don't listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. You see, the scripture tells us that we are not following our sinful nature any longer in verse 4, but following the Spirit. So it all depends on who you're following. You and I have this battle that is going on inside of us. In verse 5, it talks about those who are dominated by the sinful nature. They think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, they think about things that please the Spirit. The battle in our minds is a very real battle. And that battle can only be won with the help of the Lord. The battle that we fight, we need weapons that are supernatural because the battle is supernatural. The weapon that is most effective against the enemy is the word of the living God, which is a sword, the sword of the spirit. Every one of us have this battle that we are fighting until we see Jesus and we get our new bodies and we get this transformation that is going to happen from the inside out. But while we are here on this earth, we have this constant back and forth between the enemy of our souls trying to pull us down and between the Holy Spirit that is providing for us everything that we need to live a godly life, as it says in the book of 2 Peter chapter 1. But the choice falls to you and I as to who we're going to obey. If we follow the Holy Spirit, it leads to life and peace. If we follow our sinful nature, it will lead to death. And sometimes we can walk around in this world and we can entertain thoughts that end up leading to death. And that's where we as followers of Jesus have to be very careful with where we let our mind wander. Our sinful nature is constantly opposed to God. It does not trust God. It does not believe God's word. Our sinful nature would have us doing everything that pleases itself and could care less about obeying God's laws. Verse 7 of that chapter says that the sinful nature is hostile to God, never obeyed God's laws, and it never will. Uh, What an interesting thing to think that that is a part of who you are. And yet that's something that you're constantly battling. Honestly, I wish that I could just simply do away with my sinful nature once and for all. But that battle will not be fully won until you and I see Jesus. But while we're on this earth, we have this encouraging uh, provision of God. And in verse 9, it says we are not controlled by our sinful nature, but rather we are controlled by the Spirit if we have the Spirit of God living in us. And then in parentheses, it says, and remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them are not Christians at all. Since Christ lives within you, even though your body will die because of sin, your spirit is alive because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as he raised Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal body by the same Spirit living within you. As you sit here today, your heart is beating, your lungs are breathing, and I thank God that you are uh, overall physically well. You are not in a hospital on life support as some people are today. But the truth is, is that even though we are breathing fine and our heart is beating, 
that we have to recognize that regularly on a spiritual level, we are all on life support. Because if it is not for the spirit of the living God that infuses life into us every moment of the day, then we all of a sudden are walking down the pathway to death. Because the spirit of God brings life, but our sinful nature is always pulling us to death. When the Lord comes back for us and the rapture happens, the scripture tells us that those that are in their graves are going to rise from the dead. Now, the Bible tells us that our spirits are already in the presence of the Lord when we leave this earth. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So when a person who believes in Jesus leaves this earth, they are already in the presence of the Lord. So why would there need to be a resurrection from the grave if their spirit is already in the presence of the Lord? Well, it's because God cares not only about the spirit, but about your whole body. Now, some of you may have parts of your body that you wish you could trade and get a new one. And I have good news for you, because one day that's exactly what will happen. You will get a brand new body. The Bible tells us that it is going to be completely clothed upon with immortality. The point is, is that your body, as weak and as frail and as prone to disease and all these kinds of things as it is, is going to be transformed by the spirit of the living God. And that same transformation that transformed your spirit the moment that you gave your heart to Christ is the same spirit that is going to transform your body completely. But not only for that final day, that same power of the spirit of the living God is inside of you. And the spirit of God is the one who can even now heal you and touch you and strengthen you. You see, there's this constant pull towards death and this constant pull of the Spirit of God towards life. Verse 11 says, The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, and just as he raised Christ from the dead, he will give life to your... Notice, now it's not simply saying spirit here. It says mortal body by the same Spirit living within you. So this very body that you have, the spirit of the living God inside of your body is powerful. And it's the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. That same spirit is what's going to breathe life into your body on that day when we are resurrected. But in our spirits now, think about this. If, there, if the power of the Holy Spirit is strong enough to take this body, even after it's been put six feet under, and to infuse life into it, and for it to be resurrected from the dead after years and years of decay, how much more don't you think that the Spirit of the living God is able to infuse life and purpose into you to be able to serve God while you're walking around on this earth. If God can breathe life into skeletons that don't even have flesh upon them, how much more can he not breathe life into skeletons that have flesh on them and that are able to praise the name of Jesus, that are able to speak with their lips and to live for God? Everything that God has asked us to do 
we can do through the power of the Spirit of the living God. But I want to remind you that you must continue to keep yourselves walking committed to the Lord. As you do, the Spirit of God is going to help you to be able to walk in victory. Victory over your sinful nature. Victory over the enemy who would like to bring you to the point of destruction and decay and death. But the Holy Spirit is constantly working to try to remind you of those things that are bringing you to death and decay. And says, why don't you come over here so that you can experience true life. That affects us in our everyday life and the things that we watch. The things that we listen to. The way we talk to one another. There have been times when I have been in conversations and the Holy Spirit has checked me just before I said something. And the Lord said to me, Joseph, do you really need to say that? Oh, I don't. I don't really need to say that. Now, there are appropriate places and appropriate people to share things with, especially when, when, when there are problems and matters. But one of the things that I have learned over the years is that there are certain things that you have to be very careful about what you share. Otherwise, it becomes gossip. And that's deadly. You know, and if you don't share all the facts properly, you can skew someone's viewpoint of someone by just simply some, saying a simple sentence. And that's all they're going to remember about that person, even though you have the whole story. So it's very important that we watch our tongue. The book of James says that how can out of the same well come both good water and bitter water? So God wants us to focus on his life and his life affects our words. It affects the things that we see, the things that we listen to. I want to fast forward here for uh, just a moment. It says here in verse 18, that what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that he will give us later, for all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, everything on earth was subjected to God's curse. All creation anticipates the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And even we Christians, although we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, also groan to be released from pain and suffering. We too wait anxiously for that day when God will give us our full rights as his children, including the new bodies he has promised us. Now that we are saved, we eagerly look forward to this freedom. For if you already have something, you don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't have yet, we must wait patiently and confidently. As we are in this waiting period, the Holy Spirit is the one that puts hope in our hearts. And I want to encourage every one of you who have been walking with the Lord maybe for many years and you feel like there has not been um, a life or a strength that has infused you. I just want to encourage you when you go through some periods of, of, of time when you feel like you're walking through a desert, it's when your heart is being tested. But if you don't give up, there will come a time where joy will come. And as you continue to hold on to the Lord, he will see you through and he will fill you with joy and with his peace. 
And in those moments, it may not be easy even to know how to communicate with God. In verse 26, it says, We don't even know what we should pray for, nor how we should pray. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for good, for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. God knows you better than you know yourself. And I want to encourage you to talk to God and bring the matters that pertain to your life, uh, the, the temptations that come to you. Don't try to overcome them on your own, but bring them before the Lord and say, God, this is too much for me to be able to handle on my own. And you watch and see what the Holy Spirit will do. I want you to remember this morning that it is the spirit of the living God that is going to give you the life to be able to live for Jesus in this dark world. We can't do it on our own. And it it is so critical that you and I maintain this relationship with the Lord and this relationship that constantly is in communication with him. The scripture tells us that we are to pray always, to pray without ceasing. I want to encourage you this week to constantly stay in tune with the Lord to allow his Holy Spirit to guide and direct you as you're on your job, to uh, talk to the Lord, even if it's under your breath, and to allow the Spirit of God to keep you in tune with him so that no matter where you find yourself, that you'll be prepared for whatever temptation. Because as you know, things can sometimes happen very quickly. And sometimes when you say a word you wish you had never said, you don't have a lot of time to plan for it. But I want to tell you, if you're walking in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit will help you not to do those things. And so for us as a a church body, to be able to truly live in the life of God, we must live in the life of the Holy Spirit. For it is the power of the life-giving Spirit that frees us from the power of death. It's true that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. But sometimes we live with condemnation because we don't choose to live a life led by the Spirit. I can tell you I've spoken with many people who are followers of Jesus, who have been caught in a constant cycle of sin and repentance. And sometimes it's the same thing over and over. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you're in that cycle. Maybe you cry out to God, forgive me for this, and you fill in the blank. God forgives you, you move on, The next temptation comes, you fall right back into it again. I'm here to tell you there's hope. But that hope is not going to come from upping your willpower and going, now this time I'm really not going to do it. It's not going to help you as much as you think. I challenge you to come into your prayer closet and to say, God, I have no strength to overcome this. I need your help. And you watch what the Lord will do. He will walk you through that. Not only is he going to help you, he's going to show you some practical ways to stay away and to get out of that temptation zone. And when he does, listen. Because if he shows you and you do nothing about it, it's not his fault anymore. Be quick to listen, the Bible tells us. Slow to speak. And so we need to be able to come into the presence of the Lord with a listening ear. When you talk to God in your prayer time, I think sometimes we think that God needs to hear us a lot. And he wants to hear us, 
but he doesn't necessarily need to hear us a lot. Sometimes we need to listen more. And when we listen, then we know how we're supposed to pray and we know how we're supposed to act. So I encourage you this, this week, as you go out and about and living your life in this world, live it for the glory of God by staying in tune with the Holy Spirit and by listening to the Lord. When you pray, believe that God hears you. Believe that he actually heard what you asked him and start looking for the answer that he's going to be providing. But when we pray and we say, I knew, I knew God wasn't going to answer, it totally takes our focus off and the answer comes by and we totally miss it because we become spiritually blind. But this week, let's believe God, let's trust in his Holy Spirit and let's live victorious lives because of the power that he provides so that not one of us here at Christian Life Center will live lives filled with condemnation. Would you close yourself in with God for me, with me for a moment? I want to ask you here today, if you're in this room and you would say, Pastor, I, I've been living a life doing things my way. And I, I, have, I have been trying to organize my own life and make my own decisions trying to establish what I feel is a moral compass, but I recognize that I need God to be the one to direct my life. I surrender myself to to him. I accept the free gift that Jesus provided as payment for all of my sin on the cross. And here and now today, I choose to follow him. If you're in this room today and you would say, Pastor, I need to make that decision to follow Jesus, and I would like to do that with all of my heart. Right where you're sitting, would you just simply raise your hand this morning and I would be glad to pray with you and believe God for a transformation because it is the power of the Spirit that will transform your life and areas where you may have been walking in your own strength and it wasn't enough, the Holy Spirit's power will be enough. God sees your hand, my sister. Is there anyone else this morning? God sees yours. And yours. And yours. As we pray together this morning, this is from your heart to God. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, but as you pray, I just want to invite you from your own heart to call out to the Lord and to surrender completely to Him. And so if you would, church family, would you pray with me? And those of you who raised your hands, as you pray and you mean this from your heart, the Spirit of the Lord is the one that does the work. For without him, there would be no transformation. Let's come into the presence of the Lord with this prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I acknowledge today that without your help, I am incapable of living a victorious life. I ask you to please forgive me for the times that I have leaned on my own strength. I choose today to repent of my own evil ways and to allow your Holy Spirit to come in and clean my heart. Please make me a brand new person. Please make me useful for you, God. And please fill me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Thank you for forgiving me of my sin. 
I choose from this day forward to honor you with my life. In Jesus' name, amen.